are two friends going through big changes in our lives, just like so many other people that we know. No matter how happy we are, life is always throwing us a curveball. And we have found that having a friend to talk it through and discover new tools with has been key to figuring out who we are now as we evolve through these life transitions. So join us as we grow and learn and nourish our souls together. Well, hello, my friend Jill. Hello. I like I feel like there should be sort of like some music behind that. Hello. Oh, well, there will be because we have our intro music. Oh, that's right. They're right. There, there is. But I mean, like, like we haven't seen uh, each other. In yes. Dun 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 dun. Oh, yes. Dun dun dun. Yes. That was my very bad orchestration. Yes, I agree though because we haven't <laughs> been. <laughs> in... <laughs> we haven't been in each other's presence, and it feels like forever. And in that time, I have been Tai Chiing, and you have been Tai Chiing, yes. and we've been texting our thoughts about Tai Chiing. We've been but sharing now I videos. feel like I want yep. to. Take in and bring in the energy of Melinda and Jill together. This is oh this God. is my thank God. Yeah, it was time, man. I was missing it. I was so excited on the way over here. You I were was so excited. Yes, I was. I was so excited. Like I just was like, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. Yeah, it was so fun. I couldn't wait to be here and just sit and be together. I, I, I really too. want. I really want to take that in because I. I don't know. I I'm just la- I'm just launching into stuff. I've been hearing a lot of people talk about grief and how mm-hmm. they're managing grief. And I've had since last we spoke, I've had some losses. It just is making me realize that sometimes we don't take the time to I'm not going to say we don't tell people what they mean. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the case. I know I do cuz I'm a emotional communicator and talker. But I'm not quite sure sometimes we take the time to receive and digest the positive comments and joyful uh, messages that sometimes come our way. True, true. So in in my journey of slow, this is another way that I just, my body was telling me, stop and really digest that, Jill. Your friend Melinda, like, was excited to come see you. I was so excited. You know, like that's that's special. That's really meaningful. It Thank is you. meaningful. Anyway, You're I didn't welcome. Mean to turn that into a, a drama scene there. It wasn't. And actually, I would <clears> like <throat> us to really push forward this idea of really telling people when we appreciate them. I am trying to really make that a habit. And you know, I'm having having my house remodeled, <laughs> and I was talking to my builder today, who was on the floor trying to trying to draw a thing of where it had making sure my bathtub was going to be perfectly centered it was so sweet he goes above and beyond and I was talking to him just about how much I appreciate him and how much I love just even being around him and um, and we were just talking about and he was saying you know, how it's just so nice to hear that he's appreciated and that his hard work is appreciated and I think that we don't do that enough with each other we're very fast to complain you know, a lot of people are fast to complain, but not as quick to say, gosh, thank you. I see you going the extra mile. I appreciate the time. I'm recognizing the time, the effort that you put in. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am so grateful. I just think I would like us to all really make that a practice. 
You know, I've no I noticed years ago when I sort of sat in that joy a little bit more mm-hmm. and just sort of worked to be more aware of the kindness that was being extended to me, the small gestures of kindness mm-hmm. and acknowledge them, that that created this beautiful changed cycle of energy between oh, for sure. you know, and I don't I don't mean to turn that into service, you know, customer, but a- anyone when you kind of just stop and mm-hmm. acknowledge kindness or positivity, mm-hmm. it it really can shift. You know where we, I think it's the most lost is, I think, with our partners. Oh, wow. Right? I mean, I think yeah. it's super easy to just be like, well, that's just how it is. It's always that way, you know? I have a side thought okay. there, though. I'm ready for it. I am very blessed and feel very blessed to have a, a life partner that doesn't get stuck in the traditional, the old school traditional gender roles. Mm-hmm. My husband is far more active with the tending to the schedules of my son. And when he was in school, all the teacher gifts and holidays and programs and all of that scheduling... He is the cook of the family. He does all the grocery shopping. It's amazing. He, we all do our own laundry and he still does the, the garbage and the trash and some of the traditional stuff, but we really have unique distribution of chores. Yes. And years ago, I was mindful of how paranoid I was about my husband doing grocery shopping and managing the the majority of our scheduling stuff with our son. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was failing as a woman, as uh, a mom. Of course, yes. <clears throat> and I found myself profusely thanking him and thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative. And right. really sort of constant obsessing over, am I telling him how much I appreciate him? Aww. And... Sometimes when I am connecting with some of my girlfriends who don't have that mm-hmm. uh, unique distribution of family parenting chores, I would often hear them talk about how they felt underappreciated. And I wondered if I do that because traditionally that's expected of me to do those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that my husband does that. And I wonder if men would think about the delegation of chores in that same manner mm-hmm. if we wouldn't have some of the feelings of that w- sometimes women have, mothers have, that they, they're not respected or valued in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just, I just realized one day that if I were a man, I an old school traditional man I might not stop and thank my spouse as much as I was doing that but that that was coming from a real place of guilt Mm -hmm. and shame Uh, yeah that I'm not the typical mom or Mm -hmm. maybe I'm a failure as a mom Mm -hmm. or failure as a woman that I can't Bring home the bacon. What's what was that old commercial? I can bring home the bacon as Anjali. Anjali, yes. Sing it for me, Miss Melinda. <laughs> sing it. I want you to sing it now. What was it? I can bring home the bacon, da da da, fried up in a pan, da da da, and never ever let you forget you're a man. 
Cause Woo! I'm a woman, Anjali. You know I'm what? not a good singer, but I I have a what I but you I got like in, I like in talent. I make up for an enthusiasm, <laughs> and clearly the memory of all the lyrics from eighties yeah. commercials. Oh, for sure. Was it an eighties or a seventies commercial? Oh, seventies actually. Yeah, seventies. That's right. That's hilarious. Well, I can't tell you how many times that doggone commercial. Yes. Like, yes. I'm not going to say. I think it the does sp- specifics of, of that commercial mm-hmm. are stuck in my head, mm-hmm. but the essence, like the the burden of it, yeah. Isn't that funny? How that's something that is so from the collective conscience, right? That um, and then it created this commercial was created with that idea in mind, and it's just infiltrated that earworm, infiltrated us, and infiltrated into our brains. It's so fascinating. That it's very interesting because that is so indicative. It was so indicative of what we were going through at that time, and now it is. So we're still trying to shed ourselves from that mindset. <laughs> Melinda, I wonder. Well, a, there's a part of me that wish that I could have been in the marketing advertising boardroom when that commercial was being created, mm. and was it created by men? Oh. <laughs> 110%. Because now all of a sudden... There were no I'm, women in those in those uh, advertising agencies at that time who were actually making any decisions. I never thought of that. But now all of a sudden I'm feeling like when I start storyboarding that story out, mm-hmm. men created a commercial in the 70s when women were starting to enter the workforce that told them, that basically set up the expectation... You have to be all three. And what's the all three? You have to do the job. Mm-hmm. You have to work now. Mm-hmm. You have to bring home the bacon. Mm-hmm. And you have to still do all... All the women's work. All the women's work. Right, yeah. And what's the third Please, one? your husband. You got to still be sexy. Please be sexy. Please, please, yeah, please your husband. Well, that's it. Uh-huh. Like, I... like. Just the silly sort of reliving of that, I'm realizing that I'm still living with that burden and pressure Yeah. of I have to yeah. be all of that because I don't know about you, but I'm going to be really honest and vulnerable and say that I can't tell you how many times I apologize or make comments about feeling bad that I am not beautiful for my husband oh my gosh first of all i'm sorry beautiful oh well i'm sorry i look i i you know like i'm sorry i haven't done myself up or you know done my hair or dressed up yeah and and this is as well actually this is in spite of the fact that my husband could give a shit about any of that yeah and does bear loves me Without makeup, mm-hmm. will tell me that he yeah. prefers me without makeup, and with he's not the husband that when I get dressed up and I'm all purdied up and dolled up, that he's like, Oh, you look so beautiful, or even you know, he's not even the guy that's like, Oh, wow, you know, like, yes, he yes. doesn't notice it. <laughs> and and there, there are times where I'm like, Oh, I worked really hard at this, you don't notice how sexy I am, uh-huh. you know, so I sometimes I kind of um, there are two sides to it. I guess. There are two sides yeah. because mm-hmm. I'm trained as a woman. Like I, I work hard and I want you to recognize and 
I'm trying um, to please you. I'm trying to please you. I need your approval. But yes. despite the fact that he loves me just the way I am and doesn't need any of that, mm-hmm. I still apologize. Mm-hmm. I still comment on the fact that I'm not doing enough to be enough for him. I 100% do that same really? thing. Really? 100%. Yes, Mark is always saying to me, I think you're beautiful without makeup on. Like, I like, he's saying, like, I think you're too hard on, he always says, you're too hard on yourself. You're too hard on yourself. You're beautiful. Like, he, to, to him, he thinks I'm beautiful. It's like, Damon thinks you're beautiful. I mean, he, and it because they see us as more than our outward appearance, right? Yeah. They see what we, what we bring to the table. Besides that. Um, But anyway, I am. Yeah. And so I, you know, and I'm so appreciative of that. But boy, it's hard to get out of that mindset, isn't it? Yes. It's time for us to get some men in here and talk about this kind of thing. Absolutely. So this actually, this, what we're talking about kind of reminds me of my shirt today. Because Uh what led me to think about this was appreciating our spouses. And then that came back to me not appreciating myself and feeling like that was an important part of the scenario. And and so I'm just thinking of the sweatshirt that you gave me. Self-love club. Love it. That it all, you know, like if we create a foundation Mm -hmm. of self-care, Mm self-love, self-reflection, self-awareness, that energy flows out and affects and then can create that beautiful cyclical absolutely movement and flow absolutely it does i agree and it's really interesting that i mean i would almost call call this sort of indoctrination of mindset that we've had as somewhat traumatic because it's caused us to not value ourselves for just ourselves. So let me ask you, Mm -hmm. when you watched the Barbie movie, Mm -hmm. were you a little emotional? Yes. I was a little emotional at the, during the speech during America. Oh yeah. Ferrara. Ferrara. Ferrara's speech. Yes. But I also was just in complete awe of, that lesson of and that mindset of okay showing that women the the ultimate goal is not women being in charge the ultimate goal is that we're all in charge of ourselves and that it's a it's even right it's not that all the women are ruling or all the men are ruling both of those are disastrous yeah um you have to have balance the universe needs balance our bodies need balance Our world is created to be in balance, the yin and the yang. So I loved it. It, Yeah, I found it incredibly powerful, really incredible movie. Well, I just was asking because we were talking about the way in which we were raised, this way of thinking and feeling and behaving is in some ways trauma, uh, has created some trauma for us. And Mm -hmm. 
And that's what I was mindful of when I was watching the movie, all of this emotion that was coming up. I was just so tearful just seeing all the things that were familiar Mm -hmm. to me as a child, as a little girl. There was joy and silliness, and but there was a lot of sadness as I faced that story with in the context of the narration of that picture Mm -hmm. anyway and I just want to throw out there that I believe that men have been equally oh traumatized by the way our world has been kind of run and the expectations of them uh, has also been incredibly damning yeah and I had shared an article did I share the article with you that I I don't know are you seeing Maybe maybe you don't scroll on Facebook as much as I do, but Facebook has been scrolling a number of really interesting beginning-of-year philosophical topics. And mm. the one yesterday was about the Lost Boys. Have you read that article about the mm. Lost Boys? I have not. And forgive me if I am misquoting this and uh, misrepresenting the article, but uh, years ago... A, a reporter, a journalist was daydreaming and digesting sort of the reality of a lot of the mass shootings. Mm-hmm. And it, to him, he was noticing a trend of young white men and their participation in these ac- events and activities. And and then he reached out and he discovered that there was actual res- like a research center that was studying the effects of uh, young men in our modern day culture and they, they were coined they're being coined the lost boys and they're basically our our son's generation mm-hmm. these under 30 mm-hmm. young men who maybe you know don't have role models or aren't taught a behavior and rituals of of how to express themselves mm-hmm. and how to be in tune mm-hmm. and how to i guess be in tune with their yin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also that article that you sent me that Hillary Clinton wrote about isolation. And I think those are kind of tied together about all the isolation that we have. And that's what is really all contributing to the divisiveness in our country. Because what's happening is people are getting so isolated and feeling like they don't fit in, like these lost boys, that they're trying to find some sense of community. And that community, unfortunately, can sometimes be a destructive group. And sometimes people do, when people are creating community, then they are creating, they do it in terms of an in-group. And, and, and then that means that they are enemies with the out-group. So there's so we are all, now I'm joining this community, therefore that community is my enemy. Rather than, this is my community, and I actually, this other community can also exist. Everything does not have to be binary, you know, black or white. I remember once talking to someone in my life who, this was years ago, but who was all constantly saying, well, this is better than that. This Bruce Springsteen is better than Billy Joel. This place is a better place to live than this place. Everything. And I said, finally, at one point, why can't both things be true? Why can't it be 
that Bruce Springsteen is a fantastic artist and Billy Joel is a fantastic artist. Why can't they they both exist? As it doesn't mean because you are so obsessed with one or you think one is so great that that means the other one's not. It might be that Bruce Springsteen is more your kind of music and that's great. But it doesn't mean then you have to disparage because there was a constant disparaging of this is why Billy Joel is not as good as Bruce Springsteen. This is why. Let me tell you why. There was a constant trying to prove that this, you know, tr and I think that that's happening in our greater society, that people are trying to constantly get confirmation that their chosen in-group is better than who they perceive to be the out-group. And we have got to get to a point where both are true. That doesn't mean we agree on everything, but we've lost the art of civil discourse, right? It's so where we actually hear each other. I wonder if we've lost a sense of how to be in community. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder if we are, we, we keep hearing the word tribalism and getting back to tribal behavior, but I actually, I, I wonder if that's been distorted in oh, that we, we, actually crave and need tribe and we haven't figured out yet how to tribe in modern society for a while i thought we were tr we were tribing and communitying on social media mm -hmm. we'd find our group mm -hmm. whether it was your gaming group or your craft group or your sports group or your animal group or your religious group or mm -hmm. your education whatever book group it there literally advertisers and marketers and there are sociology groups that have been tr studying the the online neo-tribalism that has evolved but i feel like um over the past decade we've kind of gotten tripped up in sort of the the small tribes that were evolving that it did leave room open for deep isolation mm -hmm. Isolation. If there is not an option, I mean, when you and I were growing up, didn't we all went out and the parents are like, go outside, go outside and play. And like everyone went outside and played and we all had friends and groups and we all didn't get along and we all didn't love each other, but we were all together. Mm -hmm. We all played together and it was fine. I agree. I think as you're talking about, that's the whole idea, right? This whole tribalism is that as if we are, if we can find ourselves a tribe, and the way we do it now is, again, we're this tribe is the right tribe. That tribe is the wrong tribe, right? So we are right. They are wrong. The other thing that I find so interesting is that we have to absolutely believe and be exactly like everyone else in this tribe. Nobody can deviate. Nobody can also think, well, a couple of those things that that tribe is saying over there actually resonates with me. We can't do that. You know, we have to, we have to be totally loyal. And I think it is causing isolation from each other, very much so. And it's something we've really got to get back to. This this idea of, again, of civil discourse is has been so lost. And it is so important because we've we've stopped learning from each other. We've stopped hearing and learning from each other because we are so stuck in this myopic thinking what regardless of what side you're on yeah and i 
I think this has even evolved into our inability to be present with each other's pain mm. and hardship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hearing more and more friends and neighbors and members of my community and sphere who have lost mm. parents, loved ones, children that resonate with this phrase of nobody is talking about my pain. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that just blows my mind. Is that I, f- I consistently hear people say that nobody wants to acknowledge or talk about this thing. And I know I was talking about this <laughs> Atlantic articles that I keep seeing on my feed. There was one yesterday where this woman was talking about it's gotten to a point where she feels like we all have to reckon, we have to face this at some point. Because she's like, I feel like I'm walking around with a sword stuck in my chest and bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. And it just seems weird that no one wants to be talking about. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, let's not notice the Mm -hmm. giant knife stuck in her heart Mm -hmm. and that she's bleeding out on the floor. Mm -hmm. And so that, that brings me back to one of the things that I know that you and I are exploring right now is this idea of slowing down. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. Are we just so in our fast paced flow that we don't know that a, we don't know how to slow down mm-hmm. to a degree that we don't know how to be present and tuned into what we're seeing and witnessing. I think that's a, I think that's a great point. I do want to go. I want to specifically talk about the grief part for just a second. Mm-hmm. I do think that, Yes, I do think we, I don't know that, I don't think that it's even about us not necessarily noticing it. I think it's about us not, uh, our, not, our being raised to be uncomfortable. We have, we're so uncomfortable with our emotions. We're so uncomfortable in showing our emotions, sitting with our emotions, and witnessing other people's emotions. But the other part of that is that what I found when my mom passed away was that my brother, my sister, and I all dealt with it differently, and we all had very different needs from our community. And by that I mean my sister needed to go to her room and isolate for a little bit while she worked through it. Uh, My brother, well, my brother... (laughs) Whoever there didn't really deal with it. He's dealing with it now. God bless him. He, he kind of, he kind of actually built a little bit of a wall and didn't want to, he didn't cry or he didn't, it took him a while. Sorry, Brian, that I'm revealing that. Um, I needed to talk about it to everybody. I needed to process it, process it, process it with my friends. Now my sister's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. And, and so we needed very different things. And so what I always encourage people who are going through loss is I always try to say, you have to tell people what you need because nobody knows. Melinda, I think that is a really powerful thing because we, we write, you know, we read stories and we see articles or 10 steps to dealing with your grief. And I, I have never seen that. On a list anywhere, mm. telling people what it is that you might need yes. or how you might 
want to approach the grief. Mm-hmm. I actually, it was in an article, but it was just at my at my preschool for their for their <laughs> newsletter that I wrote. I wrote a, a humor article for so... my preschool newsletter, my kids' preschool, but New Year's newsletter, and I did write that was one of my. Like I had a little list of things when you're dealing with grief. And that was on my list was you have to, nobody can guess because everybody needs something different. And there's the only way that people know what you need is for you to tell them. I will say that that I understand that that can be difficult because sometimes you don't even know yeah, what you, you need. Yeah, you don't know. And you have to just allow yourself. You might think, well, I kind of want to talk to people. And then you think, oh, and then the next day you're like, no, I can't. I need to go hibernate. That's Okay. But you just have to communicate that to people. You know, I need I need some time away. I don't want to talk. Or, or I mean, I have a, I think we talked at one point, this friend of mine who lost her son, she was like, sometimes I just want to have a normal conversation. You know, I just want to have, I want to feel normal. And so as crazy as that is, you to be normal, you have to just say, like, I don't want to talk about it today. I just want to have a normal conversation. And then, you know, we as as friends then can know what to do. And it gives us all kind of peace of mind. There, I have lots of thoughts around grief. I mean, and about how it, to take it, care. it keeps coming back in so many of our conversations. Mm-hmm. And it's leading me to another thought that I wanted to share with you today. But keep keep going. Well, I was I just going to say I, I, had, I did have one friend who said to me, because I felt like when people were reaching out and saying to me, because my mom was dying at the time. We knew she didn't have long. And so they wanted to start a meal train. They were wanting to, you know, do things for me. And I remember saying to my college roommate, Kendra, um, shout out Kendra. I Who said, also wrote a wonderful book on um, grief. Grief. On grief. She did. Check it out on Amazon uh, by Kendra Wright. It's, it's a, amazing. I forgot what it's called, but it's just look up grief, Kendra I know. Wright. I'll have to look it on my phone, but it's a great. It is a great read it is a great read and it's short and to the point and it's wonderful but Kendra I lost my mom before Kendra had lost her father and she said to me you know you I said I don't want anyone doing anything for me because I almost feel like I'm benefiting Mm. from my mom's pain you know it felt weird and I and I so I felt weird about it I didn't really want anything and then she said to me, Melinda, you don't have to interact with people, okay, if you don't feel like it. But you people are really, people who love you really have a need to do something for you, to care for you. You have to allow people to care for you. And I was like, that's, I mean, I thought that was a pretty powerful and good, great point. And let me just say, once those meals started coming, I wish that they had never stopped. <laughs> I was like, can we keep the meals coming for a couple of years? I'm still mourning. I'm still mourning. Um, But anyway, it was, um, but I thought that was, you know, also a really good lesson. So what were your thoughts? Sorry to have interrupted you. Recently, I've been doing a lot of, a lot more body work through the Tai Chi that you and I are exploring. Love it. And I'm beginning to wonder if we have left our bodies behind and if... We live with this, we've created this narrative that our mind is completely in control mm. and that it mind over matter, mm-hmm. Ty, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I'm actually wondering, I'm beginning to wonder if it's the reverse. I'm beginning to wonder if our bodies have more control 
over us if we tune into it. I, I don't know. I think there's a now symb- that I'm talking that out. Talk this out with me. I think it might be more symbiotic. I think it's kind of a, it, you know, the they, infinity. Yeah, I think you're it, you're you're yes. miming the infinity <laughs> circle. I, or I think loop. that they affect each other. Joe Dispenza talks about how our our thoughts create a chemical reaction right in our brain. So our brains, our thoughts create chemicals that are or or cause chemicals to be released into our bodies and and makes our bodies behave a certain way. And then in turn, our bodies then start to go back to our start to affect our thoughts. So for instance, um, the cookies that you have. Initially, when I very first say tried a cookie, I ate the cookie and it gave me pleasure, right? So that dopamine was set off into my body. Mm-hmm. So that then when I see cookies, my body already starts to produce the dopamine because I have that anticipation of what that, how that cookie tastes and how it makes me feel. And so the dopamine already starts getting released and then it makes me go for the cookie. Does that make sense? Yes. And then the cycle just continues. I love it. Okay. So this is all just playfulness here. I just want to enjoy talking, talking this out. As I've been approaching the various Tai Chi movements and gestures, I have been overwhelmed with how they, the, the thoughts and feelings that they are evoking. Mm-hmm. And as a theater arts trained practitioner years ago, and I think I've talked about this on our podcast Michael Chekhov, uh, the nephew of Anton Chekhov, the playwright, created these psychological gestures as a as an approach and a way into exploring a character. Mm-hmm. And they are very, there's just a series of gestures, but they can help an actor quickly access a, a very different type of character, different mm-hmm. from themselves. And I am just curious right now with the power that maybe certain type of movement or slower movement mm-hmm. or open movement might be able to aid or assist our mind in thinking, I don't want to say more positively, but maybe more open or accepting or available. Mm-hmm. I know before you and I started the podcast today, you've been inspired by a meditation that includes some some gestures and some hand and some movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did some opening up exercises just to tune into each other and tune in and be present in this moment Mm -hmm. as we often inspire our our soul-nourishing friends to do. I just, I wonder if this fast-paced life that we're in and we're going and going and going and going and our bodies are sitting and tucked in and closed off if our body is interpreting mm-hmm. that internally, mm-hmm. interpreting that, and that is creating more thoughts of isolation or anger or separation or shutdown or sadness or depression. And if we were to, almost like an actor, explore you know, a character that's more open or... And I, I want to stay away from po- words like positive because I don't want any of the work that we're doing to make 
people who maybe or to make anyone feel as though, oh, I have to be happy all the time because mm-hmm. this is not about being happy. You and I know this is not about being happy all right. the time, but this is about being present and mm-hmm. and allowing the natural flow of energy and emotion. I just wonder if we were to take more time to open up our bodies, mm-hmm. touch our bodies. Mm-hmm. I know that one of the practitioners that we're working with does some meridian tapping. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder if we, if part of the self-love wasn't just the thoughts mm-hmm. of slowing down and wasn't just the practice of slowing mm-hmm. down, but actually giving ourselves the practice of opening up and slowing down movements, how that might affect our mind. Mm. Oh, I think it absolutely does. Because I'll tell you, I told you, I can't do the Tai Chi at this pace that our practitioner Mimi does. Y'all, I have it on 1.75 because I can't go that slow. (laughs) Like I literally, Mm -hmm. physically, and Mm -hmm. mentally can't go that slow. I'm like, Oh shit, this is slow. What the heck am I going to do with my, my hands are never good. And anyway, anyway, I just can't, I can't go that slow. So I'm having to trick myself into doing it a little bit slower, but faster. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) And I love that you told, when you told me that, I thought that was so great. Really funny. And right, like you said, super indicative of who we are in this world right now. And I think maybe my, maybe my meditation has made it so I can move more slowly. I don't know. Do you think you, are you able, like when you meditate, Melinda, Mm -hmm. I'm serious. I'm asking you when you meditate, because I know you joked and talked about how after your meditation, you're off and running. Right. But when you meditate, can you slow mm-hmm. down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, it's just like everything else we've talked about. It's just practice. And I think it's about, they, they talk about, a lot of times in meditations, they'll talk about your thoughts being like clouds. And so recognizing that your think of your brain as the sky and your thoughts being clouds. And so when you start, when you catch yourself in a thought, you put that thought into a cloud and let it float on out and then you come back to your breath and it's just about continuing to come back to your breath coming back to your awareness and it's is that does that seem ridiculous no I'm just thinking of a, you know I'm doing the insight timer meditations at night and I'm following this practitioner David G mm-hmm. he's you know looks like uh, the old scripture drawings of God but David G has these new these meditations where He'll meditate for like, do a guided meditation with you for like eight minutes. And then he'll send you off with a thought for like two minutes. And what I've noticed is that I'm like, oh, yes, great. I'm going to go off and meditate for two minutes. And I go off and trail. And then he'll, in the meditation, he'll come back with these like chimes. How was your two minutes? And I'm like, oh, that's right. I totally forgot I was (laughs) meditating. All it took uh-huh. was two minutes uh-huh. of medita- of nothing happening, mm-hmm. and my mind was already off, totally forgetting that I was meditating. That's where okay. I am, Melinda. So do you do – so I as, – as your energy has gone up, I've, I realized I put my hand on my chest. I just realized Ooh. I was doing that. And, you know, as you're so in touch with your body, I just wonder if you can do something where you put some – have a touch point – and if that would help, and you can come back to your hand on your chest or your cueing, 
Yeah, yeah. the queuing, like we talked about before. That's right. Like holding onto a rope. Like you're still, <laughs> but, you're still on the meditation boat, yeah. Jill. Well, let me also tell you and say to you, you know, I I believe very strongly that we can't get too caught up in rules with meditation. Oh, yeah. Because then okay. we spin out and we think we can't do it and we we give up. If you had a if you had a pad of paper next to you, where you could write down the thoughts, would oh, that be shit. helpful? That seems like a chore. <laughs> okay, well, if that. Oh yeah, you don't like to write. I forgot you don't like to write. But I think I'm sometimes wor- I'll, for I'll, me, I'll maybe just, work on that. Okay, well, let me tell you this too. You could also write down just a key word or something that would just. Sometimes if you can get it out. That's what, that's when I was trained in transcendental meditation, Mm -hmm. um, you have, you're, you're given, you're assigned a mantra. Mm. So I have a mantra of my own personal, I mean, let's be honest, everyone. It's my only, like I'm the only one that has this one, but, and that doesn't work. I don't mean a word that you come back to. I mean, if you're having thoughts. Yeah. Could you write down like just a keyword of what those thoughts were. So say that you're meditating and you're starting to think about uh, your son and his homework or whatever, if he's done his homework or whatever. So just write down homework. Just get that thought out of your head and then come back to your meditation. Because you do that just to kind of get it like, let me just get it out. It's just a physical thing that you can do is writing and just write a word because then it's not. Is that why are you laughing? No, I'm just all is of a sudden. Is it even that hard? All of a sudden, no. All of a sudden, hearing you talk out the wonderful things that I could be doing, I'm thinking, do do I have a daydream? Am I? I've flowed off. Well, everybody really mind. easily. Everybody's minds wander, right? So I now mean, I'm just wondering, like. Do I not have an ability to come back to the present moment? You do have the ability to come back. Every single person's mind wanders during meditation. There's no, I don't care who it is. Nobody's going to, nobody is able to stay in meditation without their mind wandering at some point. You have to allow yourself to have the thoughts. And then it's just, again, it's kind of that, you know, doing it over and over where you start to go, oh, there's that, I'm recognizing that thought. Can I just let it go? Or if you can't let it go, can you just write that word down and then move on? Because sometimes I'll be meditating and I'll be like, oh, God, I forgot I got to make that phone call, you know? So I'll write down. Write it down. So do you always have a little piece of paper next to you? Not always. I Well, sometimes I'll be doing my phone, but yeah, okay. I, I don't. No, I mean, I, I accept and acknowledge that practice and repetition is, is very much a part of this. And I, just this week experienced that with the Tai Chi at the beginning of the week mm-hmm. I was like I, I can't squat more than three times and now at the end of the week you know now that I sped it up <laughs> you know but I each day I'm only seven days into it and I'm so like having such an easier time coming to the work than I did at the beginning of the week mm-hmm. um so I, I I don't mean to giggle and smile at you in... I don't mind. I don't mind. I just was trying to understand what, what your thought was. I will say that, you know, the Tai Chi is a meditation. It's a movement meditation. So if you can, you know, you're staying in that moment. Oh, absolutely. I, it's, the movement is making, is huge. And I'm also wondering, maybe, maybe the evening meditation, the fact that I'm doing my evening meditation in bed, maybe I'm 
battling more of just sleep. Mm. Yeah, maybe so. I didn't mean to thank you, Melinda Young, for uh, coaching me through my meditation. (laughs) I think it's helpful. Challenges and struggles. Um, you too could get Melinda Young as your personal meditation coach <laughs> no. for nineteen ninety. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, we yeah, we don't charge. But so I, yeah. so are you? You know, I know we've been just referencing some of the journey that we're on with, to tackle not tackle not that we're ever going to tackle slow, but um, that we're trying to step into and be a little bit more mindful of a slower flow in our life. Mm-hmm. How are you doing this week? I think I'm slow? doing. I'm doing okay. I think it's hilarious the things that keep keep getting coming at me. And I'm going to repeat: Melinda is not necessary. She is not setting out to remodel her home. Right. Her home is telling is like forcing her. It's like it's like a character now in a Wes Anderson movie saying, "I want new things, and I'm done." (laughs) With you ignoring me, so I'm just going to break. I'm done. That's so true. And it has we become... named your house? Do we, we need a name for oh, her now. I think that's a great idea. Let's name it. I, I just, it has become hilarious. So I had a, so, you know, I had that, as you know, I had a, a broken uh, pipe outside, thank God, but spewing water that, and it was hilarious because it was like, I'm I went sorry. outside to do my morning meditation. Yeah, that was not Didn't happen. Med- and I and I will say that there is something about that amount of water spewing out that did put me into a little bit of a panic state. And I became Aww. a little more frantic where I was like, oh, somebody's going to help me. Someone's going to help me. So I uh, called my amazing builder. And um, wait, we need to we need to acknowledge his name. I feel like Gary, I want to do a dance. Gary Beam. Gary Beam. <sighs> Gary Beam. Thank you for loving on Melinda and our, and our little amazing. house. He's amazing. So uh, I called Gary. Gary came. He came. Is he out. giggling? Is he now like? Is he? Is he like responding with some energy of comedy with this now? You know, it's he does. He doesn't really laugh. He doesn't really <laughs> laugh it off. But um, but he's so sweet. I mean, he's super sweet and warm. And he came right out. And I think he feels a little. I think he feels a little fatherly toward me. I think in a way, um, because he's about my. He's younger than my dad. He's, um, but, uh, older than I am. And he and his wife are just incredible people. And, um, anyway, he came right out and, you know, helped me figure out what, you know, figure out if we, I could get the water turned off. The world and universe for Gary Beam. Oh my God. It was amazing. And so I went through, you know, so when you talk about slowing down, I will say that when all that water was spewing and I knew I was going to have to wait half an hour for Gary to get there. Mm Mm-hmm. I did stand there next to the spewing water. <laughs> I'm serious. And I just went, okay, let's take a minute to breathe. Everything. I did bring myself to center. Like I did go, okay, everything is going to be okay. This is all going to get fixed. Everything's fine. And I, but I had to kind of really say this to myself. Everything is going to be okay. No sense in worrying because worrying isn't going to fix it. So let's just breathe it out. I really did stand there and take some deep breaths and, and tell myself this. And it helped. It really helped me. And it helped me kind of calm down. And then when he came, you know, I do, I do laugh. I just laugh about it. Cause I'm just like, and here I am again with something else. <laughs> then the, the concentrated period of time that all of these things have happened is hysterical, but it's also pretty incredible. Cause that we're it's, like 10, like we're talking like this has been seven to 10 days. I mean, minus the 
black mold. Yes. That you right, can deal right, with. Right. I mean, that's what off. kind of opened everything yeah. up. But the crazy thing is, is that none of these things are related to the remodel. Go I ahead. just thought a thought. What? You know, I talk about my house energy stuff. Mm-hmm. I always say sometimes when you start opening up a project, house has an energy and a flow and an energy mm-hmm. sustaining it. And you start interrupting that energy and it just backs oh. out. So I wonder if your house maybe energy, that's, maybe that's we need to sage the house. We do need to sage. So we need to sage it. It's very true. But the wonderful thing has been, truly, everything has been very easily fixable. Even this pipe was, it, I mean, it, we, I got it fixed that day. And Gary is a huge part of that because he gets everything fixed. Just like that. Everything has been very easily fixed. But it has been pretty hilarious, the number of things that have happened. And you're correct because none of this happened until nope, until, until the remodel happened after you started after the remodel and none of it has up the remodel it's all on the, the other bathroom. side of the house none of it has anything to do with with the remodel is not because of the remodel these things are happening other than energetically but physically that's not what's that's not why so it's been hilarious these are all unrelated <laughs> but it has been pretty comical pretty comical but it's been a great lesson in okay we gotta just come back to center and remember our gratitude. I mean, gratitude in all things. That just makes such a difference. Surrender to the stillness. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I, I am finding, I really truly believe that these things that I've incorporated, the Tai Chi mm. and the tea time, I do believe that those have helped me in slowing things down and letting go of what I've had named as important as had to be done, had to get done. Because even when I start telling myself, Oh, I can't do tea because I'm like, Nope, actually, no, we're going to stop. Yeah. And we're going to slow down. Now I know we talked a little bit while you were sick about that idea versus forced slow down. Yeah. And you know, that felt different. I'm thankfully now finally COVID negative. So it's still working through my cough and, a little bit of slow lung capacity, stamina to do chores and walk about. But yeah, I've been fascinated with how during phases of the illness, my body would shut me down. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wanted to keep working and I wanted to keep doing stuff. But at some point my body stepped in and said, okay, lady, if you're not going to stop, we're going to have to stop you. And I, obviously, the, you know, that's what fever is going to stop you. For me, it was the fever and it just, it knocked me out Mm -hmm. and I just slept and slept and slept and slept. And I, I love the fact that my body has that, those tools and ability to force, to force, slow me down. And as I was preparing for today, you know, I'm all ramped up. My mind is ramped up Mm -hmm. and I'm excited, but I just can't go at the pace that I was going before COVID. This fourth Mm -hmm. round of COVID for me just really lowered my lung capacity and mm-hmm. so I just tire out sure how did that change the narratives that you had in your head or how did it affect the narratives it came it it brought me time and time again head first face first into that narrative of I'm gonna miss out I'm gonna fall behind I'm gonna lose like mm-hmm. all of the whatever negative story or definition I could create, I was creating it. This is 
it, specifically because it's the beginning of the year and we're all like super excited. Oh, new year. Yay, right. new whatever's. And I was like, I can't start my year. Mm-hmm. Can't do the things. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was going to miss out on things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in every possible way. Events with friends, goals and plans that I had personally, you know, just being included I think, and and that was where I was last year. And interesting enough, I'm getting ready to go back to New York City next week for a conference. Um, And last week, or last year, at this conference in New York City, I I had to use my cane a lot. And, And that's when I really started battling with those feelings of, I can't, I have to work on my health. I have to heal. Or else I'm going to be left behind. Mm. I'm going to mm. be abandoned. Mm. I had uh-huh. all of these feelings of abandonment. Yeah. And and I know I've been working on a lot of the healing stuff. And, you know, I now have some perspective on New York City is cold and I'm going to be rainy, cold and rainy next week. And I know that that's just going to affect my my nerves in, in, in a way. And I, I might have to utilize my cane. But I know how to tackle and battle some of those narratives mm-hmm. of being left behind. Mm. And ultimately, if I can say the biggest lesson I've learned in facing those feelings of abandonment and being left behind mm-hmm. is that I'm still going to have me. I've been working well with my, like I've been working on myself. I love it. And yes. so I have a richer, more meaningful relationship with myself mm-hmm. And so as long as I can be in relationship with me, Mm. I'm never going to be left behind, Mm. so to speak. Anyway. Love that. I think on that note, that's a beautiful note to end on. Yes, ma'am. Look at us. We're just having so much fun having our tea and cookies. I'm looking at our cookie plate I already drank my tea. Mm -hmm. It was lovely to be back in person with you. So good. I'm excited for what we have coming up in the future together as we continue to learn and grow together and with our soul nourishing collective i'm really excited about our future and you know just bringing more and more people into the fold i think is widening our circle so we welcome you also the listener if you're so inclined or interested we would love for you to reach out to us at soul nourishing collective at gmail.com let us know that you would like to be part of the collective. Um, we have events that we'll keep you abreast of. We don't charge for anything that we do. Everyone and anyone is welcome. So onward we go, my friends. Onward we go. Onward we go.